0: I I know some probably saw, hey, man, we got a suit here on Sunday, a politician, a guy working out of Washington, D.C. Look, I I get it. You probably thought the weather was great. I could have played golf this morning. Let me give you this disclaimer. Long before I ever thought of politics, the Lord called me to preach. I've been preaching since I was 15 years old. It's what I enjoyed doing. Well, wait until after I finish, and then you can... The Lord called me to preach in nursing homes at 15. Now, little did I know that that was preparation for the legislature. (laughs) I have found that both crowds are hard of hearing and slow of moving. (laughs) But I come here this morning uh, not with a political message, uh, but with a message from the Word of God. And if you'd like to find out more about the Family Research Council, you can, find, you can find our table in the back, or you can go to frc.org, or you can just download our app. It's the Stand Firm app. We believe Christians should be standing firm on the Word of God in our culture and in our country today, and we want to help you do that. But this morning, the message is entitled Persistent Intercession. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and One of the gentlemen here will get you a Bible as we look at Exodus chapter 17 this morning. Our key verse is verse 11, where it says, And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let it down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Who here this morning believes in the power of prayer? That's great. we got Charismatics. You can raise your hand and clap at the same time. Anyone here this morning praying for someone or something right now? I believe we should all be praying. There are so many things going on around us, but in our homes, in our communities, and clearly in our country. I heard a story about a small town in Texas, Mount Vernon. It was a bar that began construction on a new building. It was Drummond's Bar, and they were going to increase their business. Well, the local Baptist church started a campaign to block the bar from opening with petitions and with prayer. Now the work progressed right up to the week before the opening and uh, and lightning struck the bar and burned it to the ground. Now the church folks didn't say too much until the bar owner sued the church on the grounds that the church was ultimately responsible for the demise of his building, either through direct or indirect action or means, according to his lawsuit. Now, the church vehemently denied any responsibility, saying they had no connection to the building's demise in their reply to the court. Now, as the case made its way before the judge, the judge looked over the the filings, and at the hearing, he commented, he said this, quote, I don't know how I'm going to decide this, but it appears from the paperwork, we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and an entire church congregation that does not. God's purposes prevail when we persist in interceding, lifting up the truth of God as we stand in the power of God. Now, earlier this month, we marked the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. In fact, let me just say, all of our military veterans, would you stand, active duty military veterans, stand, stand up so we can thank you for your service to our country. By the way, just how many Marines out of it? All right. Should put those guys in charge of the offering. (laughs) Earlier this month, we marked the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. Most of the media was focused on President Trump and what I thought was a remarkable speech in Normandy. But there was another event that took place that day. It took place in Washington, D.C. at the World War II Memorial. Didn't get a lot of attention. But since the memorial's construction in 2004, there has been controversy surrounding the memorial, not because of what was there, but because what was not there. And what was not there, but was unveiled temporarily earlier this month, was President Roosevelt's prayer that he led the nation in on June 6, 1944. You see, I believe that those who oppose the power of prayer and the purposes of God, understand the power of prayer better than most Christians. That's why we've had prayer moved out of our public square. Children can't pray in the schools because people understand who oppose the purposes of God the power of prayer. Of course, it took an act of Congress, but this temporary plaque was placed at the memorial with the words of the prayer, which in part reads as follows. Many people, this is President Roosevelt On June 6th, many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer. As we rise to each new day and again with each day is spent, let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help upon our efforts. Give us strength to... Strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and in the material support of our armed services. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travail to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith, faith in Thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, Faith in our united crusade, let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporal events or temporal matters but fleeting moment, let not these detour us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and the racial arrogancies. Let us Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spill a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men, and a peace that will let all men live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, Almighty God. Amen. If a president of the United States can lead a nation in prayer, understanding the power of that prayer when we're at that moment of greatest need. I believe the church today should be devoted to that type of prayer and in intercession for our nation. God's purposes prevail when we persist in interceding, lifting up the truth of God as we stand in the power of God. And that's what we see this morning in our passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 17, We'll begin in verse 18. As you're turning there, let me very quickly give you the context of this passage. The significance of this passage was that it was the first military encounter that the children of Israel had as they began their journey, a long journey, into the Promised Land. And this encounter was with the Amalekites, who were descendants of Esau, who hated the Jacob's descendants. It was also the first time we see the Lord giving instruction to Moses to write a history of the account for future generations. And we find in this passage this morning a model for persistent intercession empowered by God that prevails in the purposes of God. Beginning in verse 8, now Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur Supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar. And called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Father, you have promised that your word will not return unto you void. So we look to your word this morning, not the words of man, not the wisdom of the ages, but we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we ask, Father, as the Holy Spirit, we know he is here Because you have said where two or three are gathered, there you will be also. But Lord, we yield ourselves to you this morning. We willingly say, Father, speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Come and minister to us. Speak to us what it is you would have us to hear in this hour in which we live. Anoint our hearts to, to receive, our ears to hear. And I pray, Father, for your messenger this morning, that nothing I say or do would hinder what you desire to do in this place, in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very quickly this morning, three aspects of this passage I would like us to look at when it comes to intercession. First is the persistence of Moses. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. The first aspect we see of Moses' persistence is that effective intercession is engaged. Moses didn't say, look, I'm going to be in my tent. You guys go out there. I'm going to be praying for you. He said he was on the hill watching. He was engaged until an answer came. I know I, I used to, when I was first elected to the legislature, I had a lot of preacher friends until I got elected. And then they all scattered because they didn't want anything to do with politics. And I would, I would bring something to them and that was going on, and, and they'd say, well, brother, I'll pray for you. I want more than prayers. I want you there. And that's what Moses was doing. Moses didn't tell Joshua, look, I'll pray for you, Joshua. Let me know how it goes. He was there. He was engaged. Ephesians six eighteen says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. One of the things I appreciate about Pastor Gary, and I don't know if he shared this with you, but a month or so ago I, I called him and asked him to come into D.C., To meet with one of the president's cabinet secretaries just to pray with him. A a group of about eight pastors, we just gathered, heard what was on his heart, and, and just prayed with him, spent about an hour just praying with him in the midst of a very busy schedule. Gary could have prayed from here, but when we're on site, engaged, and now as we begin to build relationships and we see what's happening we can pray with knowledge and understanding about what these individuals are carrying and the burden that they have and that's what God has called us to do when it comes to intercession is that we're engaged we're involved and we're to pray without ceasing 1 Thessalonians 5:17 pray without ceasing you know I, I think we're we're kind of into this drive by prayers you know you just you, you pop off a few prayers as you're driving by that's not intercession Effective intercession is to pray until we see an answer. I know that can be exhausting. You feel like, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, one of the things, that, remember they used to hold your rifle up like this? Until you felt like your arms were going to fall off. I can imagine Moses holding the rod, and Aaron and Hur had to come alongside him and, and hold up his arms because he did not have the physical strength. To do it any longer. How many of you this morning are at that point? You don't have to show me your hands, but you're praying for a son, a daughter, maybe a spouse, maybe a work situation. You know, you just say, I, I, I can't do it anymore. Well, look what else we see here. Effective intercession is unified. Moses would not have been able to persist had he not had the assistance of Aaron and her. Intercessory prayer. We use the term intercessory prayer, but it's really just prayer. A prayer, prayer is a team effort. You need a prayer partner. Someone that you can share these things with that can, can agree with you. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. He talks about the power you and I have. Prayer has power. Whatever you loose on earth will be, will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, listen, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Shortly after I was elected in 1997 in Louisiana, I founded an organization known as Intercessors for Louisiana. Now, if anybody knows anything about Louisiana, to be in politics in Louisiana is like not like a noble profession. <laughs> yeah, when, when when the Lord called me in uh, to run for office, they shocked me. Uh, I told my wife, shocked her. And then we said, well, we need to tell the rest of the family. So I we went to tell our, our our family, and they said, oh, you're going to be corrupt just like the rest of them. Now, that was my wife's side of the family that said that. But... <laughs> But I started this group over 20 years ago, Intercessors for Louisiana. And, and, and I will tell you this, in, in over 20 years, we've not had any more major political corruptions. Now, we've got a long way to go in Louisiana, but I will tell you this, they meet every Tuesday. They've been meeting for 20 years every Tuesday of the, of the first Tuesday of every month. They're praying at our state capital, And guess what? Louisiana is the only state that has a democratic governor that just signed a heartbeat bill into law. <laughs> Let me tell you how that happened. It happened because of intercessory prayer. We see the persistence of Moses, but there was also the prevailing of Joshua. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Not only is persistence needed, we must prevail, but to do so, obedience and action are required. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Now, I'm, my, I'm a Baptist, I, my background was Baptist, but there was a time where the Lord had to teach me a few things, and he called some of us out of a Baptist church to start a non-denominational church, and, and he had us do some things that were a little different, like going on prayer walks. Now, as a Baptist, you stay inside your church and you behave. Well, at the time, I was a television reporter for a small station in Baton Rouge, and he called us to go and, and pray around the largest television station. It uh, took up a whole city block, and there were four of us. There was the pastor and three of us elders, and then we were all stationed on a side. It was February, middle of February. It was cold, even in Louisiana. So um, the pastor's on one side, I'm on the opposite side, and two other guys... And they they came out, I mean, within five minutes of us being there, you could see the curtains pulling back, the blinds coming up. It was just like people, there was just something dynamic going on here. Well, they came out and confronted the pastor first saying, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And took off. (laughs) The other two elders that got cold, they went to McDonald's, they had coffee. I was the last one standing. And finally they came out to me and I looked at them. and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm waiting for the bus. We did not have a lot of courage. This was new for us. But here's what we find is that when we obey, the courage begins to come. And at first it's intimidating because we're stepping out of our comfort zone. But the Lord has led me to pray in some remarkable places literally around the world. And I believe it was because we had, we didn't have the courage. Honestly, didn't have the courage. But we decided to obey. And as we obeyed, the courage began to come. And, and as God calls you, as God challenges you to pray and to intercede and to engage, and as you obey, the courage comes. In Joshua chapter 1, Verse 5, it says, No man shall be able... This is the Lord speaking to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people shall you divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Listen to this. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The challenge to Joshua to be courageous was not to face the enemy, but it was to obey God. When we obey, the courage comes. You see, in America today, we do not lack intellect. We have the smartest people in the world. We don't lack creativity. We don't lack resources. We've been blessed with everything we need. We don't lack ability. What is lacking is moral courage. Because moral courage is incompatible with moral compromise. Obedience is required for the courage to stand. So we see the persistence of Moses. We see the prevailing of Joshua. But now I want you to see the power of, of God. Verse 9, tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Verse 15, and Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. See, Moses went to the top of the hill equipped with the power of God, the word of God. Neither Moses nor Joshua could persist or prevail without the power of God we can and we must operate in that same power. But that requires that we understand that what we're engaged in is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. You cannot pick up the headlines in in, in a newspaper or turn on the television and not come to the conclusion that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. You can't deal with relationships in the home and see the forces coming against your children And not realize that this is a spiritual battle. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. How many of you remember the books back in the early 90s uh, by Frank Peretti, like Piercing the Darkness? You ever read those books? Well, I This was part of that journey I was on. I read that book, and man, for a Baptist, spiritual warfare, that was like, a, wow, that was a whole other world. Well, I was a police officer at the time, and I recall uh, I got a call that there was a young man in the intersection of a pretty major uh, intersection in front of his car beating his head on the hood of his car. Now, I was not a detective, I was just a street cop, but I was able to detect that the guy had a problem. <laughs> so we uh, we got there and ended up, there was five of us, it took five of us to restrain this guy. It wasn't big, He was just, something was going on. It took five of us to restrain him, get him what we would call cuff him and stuff him. We got him cuffed and and, and they since I was the low guy on the totem pole, they put him in my car. And uh, we got him in the back seat, got him strapped in so he couldn't kick out the windows and all this stuff. And so me and my partner, we were taking him to the hospital for uh, evaluation. And I just, you know, I said, this isn't right. And I just began to detect that there was something going on here. So I remember I was driving and I just said, hmm. So I whispered under my breath, Jesus. And he went crazy in the back seat. Started cursing Jesus, and you're Jesus this, and you're Jesus that. And I go, whoa. So he calmed back down, and I punched my partner. I said, watch this. <laughs> I said, Jesus. And he did it again. And then my partner, who didn't go to church that often, said, man, don't do that, man. Don't do that again. Don't do that again. Now, <laughs> well, long story short, I, I took him for observation. I ended up spending like four hours with him as they were uh, waiting to take care of him. And and I got a chance to talk with him, share the gospel with him, pray with him and and hear his story. But that's when I realized just how real the spiritual battle is that we're dealing with. And, And we're oftentimes showing up unarmed for a spiritual battle that is raging all around us. We see the source of our power In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You see, we're trying to do this in our own strength. I'm here to tell you right now, if you're trying to live the Christian life in your own strength, you will not succeed. If you're trying to intercede, it's like you're trying to help somebody else, but you're not even grounded on the truth yourself. It's like a drowning man trying to rescue another drowning person. You see, our strength is not in and of ourselves. I don't care how creative you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how good you are. Unless you are walking in the power of God's might. Oh, you might survive. But you won't thrive. And see, that's what Jesus came. Jesus said, I have come not only that you would have life, but that you would have it more abundantly. You see, I believe if Christians were living the Christian life as God designed it to be, people would be waiting in line to find out how they become Christians. Because there is nothing more exciting, I believe, on the face of the earth than to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ and live your life unreservedly for Him. Oh yes, you're going to get things said about you. You're going to face opposition. But I'm telling you what, it is better than any thriller you could read or watch. It's life more abundantly. I've been married for 33 years. My wife and I have a Tremendous relationship. I'm blessed with five children who are all walking with the Lord. I'm thankful to God. But it's through that prayer and intercession. It's through walking in His power that that happens. And that's available to each and every one of us. That's why Jesus came. That's why He came. So that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. His plan for you is not just to crawl across the finish line and say, I made it. It's to run across as a champion, victorious. That's what he said. He said, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the devices of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. "...against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God." Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You see, the rod that Moses held up represents the Word of God and the power of God. In like manner, we too must hold up the Word of God. It is the source of our power to live the victorious Christian life. God's purposes prevail when we persist in interceding, lifting up the truth of God as we stand in the power of God. Very quickly, let me close by going back to an account in World War II shortly after the D-Day invasion. It was the last major German offensive that was launched in December of 1944. We know it now as the Battle of the Bulge. And after the Success of the D-Day invasion, the Allied forces were caught completely off guard as the Germans took advantage of poor weather conditions that kept the Allied planes from flying and the troops from advancing. But on December 20th, an unexpected and surprising change occurred in the weather. The rain that had bogged down the Allies for weeks ceased, and the fog, which had kept visibility to just a few yards, lifted. For the better part of the week came bright, Clear skies and perfect flying weather. Allied planes came over by tens, hundreds, and thousands. They knocked out hundreds of tanks, killed thousands of German troops, leading to the eventual defeat of the Nazis. But there is more to that story. Twelve days before the break in the weather, on December the 8th, Lieutenant General George Patton, commander of the Third Army, called his chief of chaplains and asked, if there was a prayer for weather. From that inquiry came not only Patton's famous prayer that was drafted by the chaplain, that was distributed to the troops, but at Patton's direction, there was a training letter. Training letter number five, and it's a part of history. It was written and it was distributed to all the chaplains and officers. Under, and his signature was under it. The training letter instructed the men of the third army to persist in prayer. Quote, those who pray do more for the world than those who fight. And if the world goes from bad to worse, it is because there are more battles than prayers. Hands lifted up, said Boswe, smash more battalions than hands that strike. Gideon of Bible fame was leased in his father's house. He came from Israel's smallest tribe, but he was a mighty man of valor. His strength lay not in his military might, but in his recognition of God's proper claims upon his life. He reduced his army from 32,000 to 300 men, lest the people of Israel would think that their valor had saved them. He went on to write, we have no intention to reduce our vast striking force. (laughs) But we must urge, instruct, and indoctrinate every fighting man to pray as well as fight. In Gideon's day and in our own, spiritually alert minorities carry the burdens and bring the victories. This is an army general. Urge all of your men to pray, he said, not alone, not only in church, but everywhere. Pray when driving, pray when fighting, pray alone, pray with others, pray by night and pray by day. Pray for the cessation of immoderate rains. Pray for good weather for battle. Pray for the defeat of our wicked enemy whose banner is injustice and whose good is oppression. Pray for victory. Pray for our army. And pray for peace. End quote. The instructions for men to pray reached the troops between December the 12th and December the 14th. The Nazi breakthrough and advance began on December the 16th, and for four days it appeared that the Germans had gotten a second wind and might be able to rout the Allied forces. But we know from history there were many acts of heroism and displays of courage. But when the Third Army arrived in Luxembourg just weeks later at the end of January of 1945, General Patton told his chief of chaplains when he saw him there, he said, Padre, our prayers worked. I knew they would, End quote. There is power in persisting in prayer. God's purposes prevail when we persist in interceding, lifting up the truth of God as we stand in the power of God. What are you praying for this morning? Certainly our nation and our leaders need persistent intercession our communities, but so do our families. Many, many families are oblivious to the spiritual battles that are raging all around them, the battle for their children, the battle for their marriages, their very walk and faithfulness to the Lord. We need to persistently pray for the church, that the church, us believers, will hold up the truth of God without wavering, in a day of moral compromise and moral confusion. But you can't persist in prayer to God, empowered by God, unless you know him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You see, it all begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the key when we have that relationship then we beg- and we surrender in obedience then comes the courage and then comes the power to prevail and to live life as designed by god let's pray this morning bow your head with me if you will father we thank you for your word lord both as we see in scripture but also lived out in our own history as a nation that lord those that persist in prayer that turn to you lord you answer prayer and we see Moses, as he interceded, as Joshua prevailed, they did so through the, your power. Lord, many of us uh, there were times past when I tried to live in my own power. Lord, it doesn't work. No doubt there are some this morning seeking to live this life, this Christian life in their own power. They'll never prevail. Lord, there are others here that are struggling, and and they're tired, and they're weary. And and Lord, someone needs to come alongside and hold up their arms as they're interceding, praying for maybe a spouse, maybe their children, maybe a a, a situation at work. Who knows? Maybe it's an illness. Father, this morning, I pray that they would be refreshed and renewed in that intercession. With no one looking around, every head bowed this morning, I, I just want to agree with you as the Scripture instructs. If, you, if you're praying and you would say, you know what? I'm praying, I'm praying, but I am so weary. I'm just not saying the answer and I'm just about ready to fold up and go home. Well, this morning, I want you to know that God hears your prayer. And I want to agree with you. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hand. I, I, I'm interceding, I'm praying. It, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a work situation, I don't know. It does not matter to me, but it matters to God. Just hold up your hands there for just a moment because I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you for the hands that I see all across this sanctuary this morning. Those that are interceding, that are praying. But Lord, the truth be known, they're weary. They're like Moses. Their arms are getting heavy and they're, they're beginning to falter and wondering if you'll ever hear. And the the battle around them kind of rages back and forth as they they, they wonder, are the prayers making a difference? Lord, I pray that you would assure them this morning you hear their prayers. And I ask you, Lord, to encourage them and and actually to bring an Aaron and a Hur beside them to intercede with them, to hold up their hands as they intercede. And I stand in agreement with them this morning, Father, and I thank you for them. You put down your hands, continuing in prayer this morning you're here this morning and you never feel like your prayers get above the ceiling They don't seem to go anywhere life is a struggle in fact you're falling behind in this race we call life i want you to ask yourself do you truly have a relationship with jesus christ are you trying to live this life in your own power Have you confessed your sins and and asked Him to be the Lord of your life and then surrendered your life in obedience to Him? That's the key. Without it, you'll never succeed. If that's you this morning, no one looking around, I just want you to slip up your hand because I want to pray for you. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand anyone else in the balcony right where you are I want you to pray with me God in heaven this morning I realize I am a sinner in need of a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ and so this morning I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life and to be my savior. Forgive me of my sins and give me the power through the Holy Spirit to live in obedience to you. And today, today, right now, by an act of my will, I declare Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.